Hi everyone, I'm back and it feels so good. I truly loved my month long pause. I learned so much and made some major shifts that I'm going to share more about in the coming months. But today, I am just ready to get back to some new episodes of 3 and 30. You with me? Uh, We have a really great episode today. But before we start, I wanted to take a few minutes to tell you about three small businesses that I truly love and that are run by moms. And these ladies sponsored my recent Declutter Your Motherhood workshop in Utah. I'm super grateful for their support of 3 and 30, and I had to share their amazing products with you because I truly believe in them and love them. So the first business is Honey Coast Home Candles, and these unique candles and melts are hand-poured and blended in small batches in Salt Lake City, Utah, and their scents are designed to evoke a memory or help set a mood. And the founder of Honey Coast Home, Joanna, donated over 50 of her lemonade-scented candles for our Utah workshop. Not only do they have a springy, happy scent that my kids and I love, but all of the proceeds from the lemonade scent go to Postpartum Support International. I am passionate about postpartum support, and I'm so grateful for women like Joanna for contributing to that important cause. Joanna wants to send the first 10 people who order something from her website and use the code 3 and 30 a free lemonade-scented candle to gift to a mom that they love. So go to honeycoasthome.com and don't forget to use the code 3 and 30 The second business that was a sponsor for our workshop is run by Missy Van Wagner, an artist and illustrator who especially loves drawing people and animals. She believes you are art, life is art. So she loves doing custom illustrations of families, children, and even pets so you can get them up on your walls as artwork. For my recent workshop, she designed the workbook cover, a decorative poster, and an exclusive print that went in the gift bags, and I'm kind of obsessed with it. It's so beautiful. So I can testify that Missy's work is gorgeous, personalized to you, and would make an amazing gift for someone you love. And for 20% off your order this week only, you can email or direct message Missy and tell her that you heard about her on 3 and 30, and I'll put her contact info in the show notes. And third and finally, we have Simple and Blush Headscarves. The founder, Erin Titanser, is a busy mom herself and designed these headscarves specifically for those days when you need to feel a little more put together. You can whip your hair up in any hairstyle and then tie in one of these headscarves for a pop of color and style. On days that I don't get a chance to shower, I just use a little dry shampoo. I tie on the headscarf as sort of like a headband. And honestly, I kind of feel like a rock star. (laughs) If you followed me on Instagram, you've seen me wearing the cranberry color headscarf pretty much every other day, and I love it. These are really perfect for any woman who's on the go, and they're a great gift for girlfriends or family. Erin just released 10 new colors on May 1st, so go to simpleandblush.com to check those out and use the code 3 and 30 to get 15% off. And you can find all of the information about these three wonderful mom-run companies in the show notes of today's episode. And now it's time for the show. Today's episode is a bit heavy, but it's so important. This is episode 81, How to Be a Good Mother Even If You Weren't Raised by One. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways 
for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. I was blessed to be raised by an incredible mother. I've talked about her often on this podcast, sharing the tradition she planned for me and my sisters and the wisdom she shared with us about life and service and creating goodness in the world. She loved me so well, and I try every day to emulate her example in the way that I nurture, teach, and enjoy my children. I know how blessed I was to be raised by a mother like her. I also know that not everyone is as blessed as I have been. The more that I share my heart on this podcast, the more often people reach out to me and share their hearts and stories. And over the past year, many listeners have told me about their heartache over not being raised by a loving mother. I've had listeners relate stories to me about mothers who were emotionally absent or even emotionally or physically abusive. And these listeners confide in me what a sometimes overwhelming task it is to be a loving mother when you never really saw that modeled or were loved in that way yourself. But these warrior mothers are doing all that they can to change the trajectory of that family pattern of parenting, to raise their own children with the love that they themselves were not given. Today on the podcast, I have one of those warrior moms who's going to share her insights on how to be a loving mother, even if you weren't raised by one. Sarah Badat Richardson was born and raised in Reunion Island off the coast of South Africa, and she now lives in Hawaii. She's a writer who has her own blog and has also published articles on the website Power of Moms. She runs an international self-defense school with her husband. She's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and she speaks five languages. English is her fourth most fluent language, and she's still super fluent, so it's way impressive. This woman is seriously accomplished. But one of her greatest accomplishments is that she's the mother to a beautiful nine-year-old girl, and she works every day to overcome the difficult relationship she had with her own mother so she can become the mother that she wants to be to her daughter. I'm so excited for her to share some of her journey and her insights with us today. Before we get into the interview, I do want to apologize for my poor sound quality for some reason, my microphone during this conversation was not connected to the computer properly, and you can't hear me as clearly as you usually do on this podcast. Luckily, you can hear Sarah well, and that's what really matters. So here's my interview with Sarah Badat Richardson. Sarah, welcome to 3 and 30. Thank you, Rachel. I'm so, so happy to have you and to connect with you, and I just wanted to start off by saying how much this episode is needed. I recently on my Instagram shared that I was going to be recording this episode and I was overwhelmed by the number of messages I got from women saying, thank you, please, I need this. This is, you know, I wasn't raised in the type of home that I now want to create for my children and thank you for addressing this topic. So I really want to just thank you up front for going to these personal places and sharing with us. My pleasure. I'm hoping this will be very helpful to many women out there. You and I have corresponded a little bit about several different topics that you could speak on. And then when you proposed this one, I was like, yes, this is what I want. And you then told me that as you sat down to outline it, that it was a lot harder for you to outline it than you thought that it would be initially. And why do you think that that is? 
Yes, it was pretty overwhelming, actually. And I wondered, why Why did I offer this? Um, basically, the first thing was that every person's journey and experience and past is going to be different. So for me to narrow it down to three takeaways that will be mm. most helpful for the majority of women and mothers out there uh, was quite a task. Mm. And also then I would have to admit that I was a good mom, because if we're going to title how to be a good mom, even if you didn't have one, then I would have to actually say and announce that, yes, I am a good mom. And that was a little hard to go ahead and want to stick that label to me. Um, mm. So those for those two reasons, it was uh, difficult to uh, get started and narrow it down. But it proved to be very, very helpful, uh, even for myself to go through the process. Yeah. And I love that, that you acknowledge how hard it can be to sometimes just say, I am a good mom. But I hope that everybody who listens to my podcast can look into themselves and say that. I mean, just the fact that you would listen to a podcast about wanting to improve your parenting shows that you are a good mom, but it can be so hard to say that. So how do you define what a good mom is? Well, for me, a good mom is a loving mom. I think in my own experience, I had two parents, um, a dad and a mom raised me together. And both made mistakes. My dad also made a lot of mistakes. However, when I thought about it and I wondered how is it that I continued to have a relationship with my father as an adult, that I had great respect for my father and I was very close to him all through my life, and I didn't have that relationship with my mother, it really boiled down to the fact that I knew that my dad loved me. I knew it without a doubt, but I didn't have that sense of um, security from my mom. I didn't know, truthfully, I still don't know. I still believe she didn't love me. So that's what made the difference. So to be a good parent, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to not make any mistakes. You just have to show your kids that you really love them, that you really care, and that you want their best. Mm -hmm. And then once they are secure in that, even when you're going to mess up and they know you're messing up, they're going to have grace, they're going to have forgiveness, and they're going to still be there. Yes, I love that definition of a good mom. I've heard Ralphie Jacobs, who's been on my podcast a few different times, and she's defined a good mom as someone who loves their children, sacrifices for their children, and teaches their children. And I'm like, if we do those three things, it doesn't matter how many mistakes we make, how many things we're, quote, not doing, if we're just loving, teaching, and sacrificing for them, then we're good moms. Yes, I agree. And if we make mistakes and we're able to acknowledge those and actually go to our children, lay it in front of them and say, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. I mean, this is something I have never had from my mother. I have never, mm -hmm. ever had I am sorry. And she's now passed away. So I will never have a I am sorry. And that goes a long way. That goes, mm -hmm. that's pretty much everything. Yeah, for sure. And we did talk a little bit before we started recording that we're not going to include all of the details of your story. Some of them might be triggering for people who've been through difficult things as children, as well as um, just really personal. But you have written 
on your blog more of these details. If somebody relates and they want to reach out to you or read some of your story, then they can go there to reach to read that. And I'll put that in in the show notes. But if I was wondering if you could just give us like a general overview of kind of what your childhood was like and what your mom was like and how you knew that you wanted to be different and kind of how that leads to our takeaways today. Okay. Um, Something that I found out as an adult actually only last year is that my mother fit all nine criteria for narcissistic personality disorder. Now, I had Mm -hmm. no idea about this particular disorder. As I said, I happened to read a book and suddenly had this big aha moment realizing that my mother fit every criteria. What that means, though, is that she was a very selfish person and life was all about her. Um, so all through my childhood and a particular when I became a teenager and then later on when I became a married woman myself and, and started to have a really good life, she was jealous of me. She, um, just wasn't happy about anything that happened that was good for me. It was, it had to be about her. And Mm -hmm. she actually said to me one time that if she had to do it all over again, She wouldn't have had children. And she wasn't saying it in anger. She wasn't even saying it to be mean. She was saying it as a matter of fact, we were discussing when I was going to have children. And I told her that I was going to wait because once I had children, I knew I wanted to give them a lot more than I could at the time. And she just said, yes, I totally get it. Because if I had to do it over, I wouldn't have children. So Mm -hmm. I think that summarizes my mom and my experience as a child, knowing intrinsically that I really wasn't wanted and that I was a inconvenience in this woman's life. Yeah. And so painful. And that, that really shakes the foundation of what you believe about yourself. And I know that that leads to some of your takeaways today. Um, how was it for you transitioning to becoming a mother when you had your own child? Did it bring up a lot of things from your childhood? Uh, and how did that lead you to sort of start this journey of looking deep and becoming someone different than the woman that you'd been raised by? Okay. I, I was... Um... 34 when I gave birth to my child and I had been married 12 years. So there was a strong foundation of having already done work uh, to become a better woman, uh, Mm. a better self, and also a strong sense of security in my marriage. So those were two very good things that I, that I purposefully uh, put in place before I even entertained the idea of becoming a mother. And then once I became, so once I did that, I really, really thought that I was fully prepared, fully ready, uh, which of course for anyone, any mother, uh, whether you've had a tough childhood or not, we all know now on the other side that you can never be ready, uh, Mm -hmm. no matter what your background uh, for motherhood. But I actually was surprised as how hard it was for me to be a good mother because I had always known I wasn't going to be my mother. I always knew that I was going to do things differently, that I was going to be better. And yet I was doing things that weren't good. And I was acting in ways um, that I had never expected I would act in. So what really helped me, and that's going to be my takeaway number one, is accepting 
that what had happened to me had happened to me. So accept your plight is takeaway number one. I think that when you, um, so long as I had only been a child and I wasn't a mother, I had tried to earn my mother's love. I had tried to do so many things, to change myself, to be more understanding, to be more helpful, to loan her money, to do whatever it took so that we would have a good relationship. And then I became a mother and I realized, wait a second, this is not how a mother is supposed to act. So this is not going to change. It's never going to change. And I have to accept that. And once you accept it, the pain of the past doesn't necessarily go away, but you're able to move forward. Mm -hmm. uh, the analogy that helped me most was that if you have a lion in front of you, nothing you're going to do is going to transform that lion into a little kitty cat that you can pet and have on your lap. It's just not going to happen. And I cannot be upset about a lion being a lion. I cannot mm. be mad about that. And I, can, I cannot put all my resources into trying to make the lion something different. So then once I had that picture, it gave me such a sense of peace. And I was like, okay, I accepted that. Then I also had to accept that I, none of it was my fault. Mm -hmm. It had nothing to do with me. My mother not loving me, not wanting me, not caring about me, that didn't mean that I didn't deserve to be loved and cared for and wanted. And it didn't mean that I had no value. It didn't mean that I was a lesser person. None of it was my fault. Um, yes. So accepting that, understanding that, suddenly I was able to really now see myself and see all the good that is in me, all the good that I have to bring to the table. So those two things, accepting who she was and accepting who I am, really helped me move forward. Acknowledging I am lovable. My mom just didn't have the ability to love me. I'm sure it was very freeing. Yes. And actually that is, I, I totally believe in the power of affirmation. And that is one that I have uh, used over and over. Uh, I am lovable simply because I exist. Hmm. I and deserve is, love simply yes. because I exist. Yes. So true. And when your daughter was born, you said that you were surprised you, you knew you would be different than your mother, but then you were surprised by some of the behaviors that you were displaying that you didn't think you would display. And I think that all women, I know I never thought I would yell at my kids. And then I had kids and I found myself yelling and I'm like, where in the heck is this coming from? And I was raised by a mother who was very patient and didn't yell much. Um, and still I had that inclination, you know? So what were some of the things that you the behaviors that you saw yourself exhibiting that surprised you? Oh, okay. So I was a, I became very angry or let's just say I had all, I had an underlying anger issue, a short fuse. And then once you compounded the, the um, sleep deprivation, uh, all of the crying all the time. And the fact that I had no support, you know, I had no one around me, no family, no extended family, um, no close friends at the time actually living near me. Um, 
and the overwhelm of making 10,000 decisions in one day uh, when you have a new baby and wondering if any of them uh, is going to be right or wrong, you know, all of that really triggered. So I was very angry. I would slam doors. Like if my daughter woke up in the middle of the night, I'd just slam my door and be like, there she goes again. And I would um, throw things on the floor in frustration. Like, you know, let's say I was uh, wiping the sink and I had the sponge in my hand. I would just like suddenly something happened and I would throw the sponge on the ground. And I would storm out of the house of my husband being at home a lot. <laughs> okay. I would just like get in the car and just go because I couldn't handle the emotion. And truthfully, now that I look back at it, it's because the thought was, I can't do this. I wish I hadn't done this. I wish I hadn't had a kid. And when I thought that, I was like, you're like your mom. This mm. is, you're doing the same thing. She didn't want you. And now you're saying you don't want your kid. And I felt so upset about all of that, mm. um, that it was, and, and I thought, I knew better. I know better. How why am I doing this? And, mm -hmm. and it's because, you know, when we are children, uh, I actually have gone through therapy uh, specifically to deal with my, uh, my mother's narcissism. And it's very um, normal for a child uh, who grew up in a household with narcissism to learn narcissistic behavior. So you don't necessarily uh, fit the criteria in your own psychological makeup. However, you've learned behaviors that you just assimilated. And so that, that selfishness, that sense of my life needs to be still my life, uh, the way I want it to be, mm -hmm. uh, definitely, um, came out. So I had to be honest. I had to, you know, accept the past. And then I had to accept the present. And then I had to be honest about my shortcomings, really take a good look at them and decide to change and mm. to do something. And that's where it takes me to take away number two, uh, become your healthiest self. And that's valid for every mother, right? Every mom can benefit from bringing her healthier self to the table. But especially when you have had a tough childhood, sometimes it's hard to really determine what is normal, what is not normal, what is a, a direct result of your upbringing, and what is just motherhood being hard and, and just normal. So mm. when you're able to really work on certain areas, um, for example, your physical self, making sure you take care of your body with sleep and exercise and nutrition, these might seem like basic things, but if you already have an emotional um, deficit in a way, uh, you need your body to be healthy so that you can be proactive and you're not just reacting because your body is sleep deprived or hungry or tired or weak. So yes. that would be the first thing is take care of your body uh, as part of becoming your healthier, healthier self and then take care of your soul. Okay. You have to 
replace all of the negativity that was put in in you day in, day out from your very, very early, early years, your formative years. And you have to replace all of that with good things. You have to read inspirational books. You have to listen to podcasts like Rachel's podcast. You're already on good track because hers, I mean, I've listened from your very first episode and, and when you're doing the dishes and it's been a hard day and maybe, you know, you still have to go put the kid to bed and they might whine and you listen to the this podcast and somebody's telling you how you can be better. Well, you can assimilate that and take it with you in the bedroom when you're putting that child to bed and help you. Um, you need friendships. You need good moms around you. You need to see people, how they do it, how they speak in a tone, um, you know, of patience and understanding. And then you can tell them, how do you do that? Um, you can help, you know, ask them to help you. And that is very important. So take care of your body, take care of your soul. soul. And then the biggest piece, really, if there was only one thing that someone can take from this podcast is you have to check into your thoughts. You have to look at what's going on in there. And if it's not something that's life-giving to you or your children, you have to switch to another thought. So for me, I just realized that I really thought, okay, I can't do this. She's, you know, my life is now too hard because I have a kid. Uh, and anything she was doing, I took as a personal offense to me. If she's leaving her clothes on the ground, it's like, oh, she's not respecting me. If she's not saying something I ask her to do, oh, she's just a defiant, disobedient child. How dare she? And I realized all of these just only made, uh, created more friction between my daughter and me. When I was able to just see if the clothes were on the floor, okay, yeah, she's nine. And that's what nine-year-olds do. Okay, let's <laughs> just pick them up. Or when she wasn't doing something, I realized it's because she had something else in her brain. She was still busy creating a Lego thing in her mind. And so she didn't hear me. And, and now I'm able to literally laugh. I haven't lost. So I just went through therapy, like literally very recently. And I have not lost my temper in six weeks. Wow, I good went for, you. for anger management and not only. I manage the anger. I don't feel the anger. And that's all came from switching a couple of thoughts that I had in my mind that she was a defiant, disobedient, disrespectful child. And I switched that to she's a kid. She's mm -hmm. a sweet kid. And you know what? What she does actually doesn't have anything to do with me. Like it's not She's not doing it to bug me. She's not doing it to disrespect me. She's just doing it because she's a kid and we're just going to guide her. Yeah. And it, had, and it has changed everything. Oh, I love hearing that. I'm such a fan of therapy. And um, I totally agree with what you said about, I think we can take our kids' misbehaviors personally, like it stings almost because we feel like it means that we didn't parent them well or we're not teaching them, you know, like if she was disrespectful because I haven't taught her to be respectful. And so we take it so personally when really it's like, no, she's nine. That's why she's being disrespectful, you know? And something that I love that I've 
as I've gotten to know you a little bit through your writing and through our interactions is how you really use books as mentors, that you read books and um, take lessons from them and from the characters and let them teach you the kind of mother that you want to be. Uh, I think that's such an incredible way to find mentors all around you. So who are some of your favorite mentors from books? My favorite mothers are Ma Ingalls from the Little House uh, series Mm. and uh, Marmy from Little Women, who Mm. also acknowledges that she has an anger problem uh, and that she had to work hard at it. But you wouldn't even know that once, you know, you see her as a mother. Um, And uh, actually, Joe, her daughter, once she becomes a mother, also is just amazing in the way she deals with those rascally little boys uh, that she tutors and teaches at her school. So those are the three big ones. Yeah, I love that. And one other thing that you said in your outline Um, that really struck me is that you said that if you weren't nurtured as a child, you really need to nurture yourself. And I thought, oh, that's profound. I mean, we all need to be doing self-care and nurturing ourselves, but perhaps especially if you weren't treated with that kind of love and cherished in that way as a child, you need to do it for yourself when you're an adult. Yes, it's very important because if you don't come from a place of worthiness and value, you can't transmit that to your children. So in order to break the cycle of negativity, you have to be whole. And in order to be whole, you have to nurture yourself. And then your own children can look at you as a role model of what they can become in their own life. Mm. It's beautiful. And so then what's your third takeaway for us? Well, once you've nurtured yourself and really look into yourself, then you can embrace who you are. And you don't have to wait until you're perfect to embrace who you are, because guess what? You're never going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be perfect. But we can still be a better version of ourselves without becoming somebody else. Okay. If you were repeatedly criticized or belittled growing up, or even still now, if you still have um, toxic people around, it's hard to recognize what's good within you. Okay. And if you grew up with a mom, like I did, I grew up with a mom who didn't like me, then I tried to become someone else, hoping she'd like that version better. And I've never found a version she liked better. So my job was to become true to my nature and role model that for my kid. So, mm-hmm. but, but for some reason, whatever I did right, I thought didn't count. And, and whatever I didn't do right, I thought is what I should aspire to be. For example, I have a friend, okay, she, she knows how to sew, how to crochet, how to make pizza, how to make jewelry, how to garden. She spear fishes, she plays the piano. I mean, seriously, <laughs> right? I can't do any of this. This is a real person. Okay. And she's nice too. Okay. She's nice. I like her. And, and, and I thought, oh man, wouldn't it be nice if I could crochet? Wouldn't it be nice if I could garden with my kid? But I don't like to do that. Okay. It's not my thing, but I like to cook and I'm really good at organizing and I'm a business owner and I am a jujitsu black belt and I'm a writer. And guess what? My daughter writes poetry and my daughter trains 
jujitsu and she's getting better every day. And my daughter and I, we cook together in the kitchen. And then our favorite thing is to read and reading is easy to me. Like you can't, you wouldn't catch me play pretend, Mm. you know, like I really don't like that. (laughs) And I felt really bad about that for a long time. Like, I don't even like to play pretend with my kid. What kind of mom doesn't do that? Well, I don't. But you know what I do? I read to her like a couple of hours a day. And wow. we cuddle on the couch. And and we go book thrifting together. And when something comes in the mail, she says, Mom, I think it's a book. And that's what we do. And and that's fine. And that gives me point, even though it's not crochet or jewelry or gardening it's okay to do what you're good at and just because it comes to you easy doesn't mean it doesn't count yes I love that and I love the point you made about how you I mean I think everybody struggles to really figure out who they are as a mom and to own that but that may be especially true if you weren't taught of your innate value when you were young and the true version of you wasn't enough for someone that you really looked up to at that time. As an adult, you have to say, that was her problem. I am enough and I can be who I really am and be lovable and be valuable to my children. Yes. Actually, it's funny you said that because it just brought back a memory. My mother actually yelled at me because I read too much. Mm. (laughs) And they were really upset because I read too much. And well, that just came back to me. And do you see how I could now think that me reading to my daughter is maybe is an issue, you know, but it's not. So, so yes, you have to do that work and really look inside and look at, well, you know, I said earlier, you have to accept your past and accept your shortcomings, but you also have to accept all the good that's, Mm within you. And then you work on the shortcomings and you bring out the good. And if you do those two things, you don't have to be perfect, but you are going to be a good mom because get, guess what? In the past six weeks of, of dealing with, of, of expressing that love I had within and of having worked out all the, the few little last hangups I had, it's been amazing. It has been amazing. I've never felt this close to my daughter. And I'm so glad it happened when she was nine, because Mm. we still have time, we still, you know, can build on this and get stronger in our relationship. And, and I have no doubt now that we're going to be close, and we're going to stay close. So I, I really wish that for all the women out there who may have one or two things still that they're like, how come I'm still dealing with that? Well, you can, you can figure it out. Yeah. And, and seek professional help if you need to, um, to figure those things out. Cause that's really, you've had these recent breakthroughs from going to therapy, right? Yes. There are two things truthfully. And if you don't mind me, uh, plugging in the, another podcast, no, because totally. it, has been, it has been amazing. So I've been listening to better than happy podcast by Jody Moore. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, uh, she's a life coach, and it's all about processing your thoughts in order to uh, manage better results in your life. And um, it's been amazing. Sometimes you need something first to give you the first aha moment. I think for me, it started last year when I read the book about narcissistic uh, mothers. Mm. Um, it's called, Will I Ever Be Good Enough? Uh, healing 
help for daughters of narcissistic mothers. So that was the first step of really uh, getting an understanding and acceptance and peace about my situation. And then the podcast about looking within and my, at my thoughts. And then the therapy to kind of organize all of that and give me um, a framework um, to put into place and then doing it. So yes, it, it goes in steps. So be gentle with yourself as well because it takes time and all we're after is progress. Yes, you know? yes. And for me, I'll have breakthroughs in my life and I'll be really good for a while. And then I start to notice that I'm struggling in some other area or even the same area, I'm backtracking a little. And then I reach out and get help again or, or do what I need to do to keep improving. It's um, recovery and progress is not linear. You know, you have little ups and downs in the path, but you're still moving up as you go. Yes. And that's all, all we can do. That makes us a good mom to be better this week than we were last week. That's being a good mom, even if we're gonna somehow yell at the kid today, even if that still <laughs> happens. And then we go and give them a big hug and say that should not have happened. Um, but it's okay. Yeah. And you have in, in your outline, you have a great quote from Dr. Laura that I was wondering if you could tell us and then recap your three takeaways for us before we end. Yes, that's my favorite quote. Um, you have two chances at a healthy parent-child relationship. The first time, you're the child and you have no power. The second time, you're the parent and you have all the power. So you can still have a great mother-daughter or mother-child relationship now that you're the parent. And in order to do that, what can help Takeaway number one was accept your plight, understand that the way you were brought up is not your fault, and pledge to continue improving. Takeaway number two, bring your healthiest self. Take care of your body through sleep, exercise, proper nutrition. Take care of your soul. Pay attention to your thoughts and words. Use life-giving, empowering thoughts and words. And takeaway number three, embrace who you are. Share your talents and passions with your children and give yourself a pat on the back for every good thing you do. Thank you so much, Sarah. This is so inspirational and beautiful. And I can't wait for listeners to go and follow your blog, which I will link and read some of these resources, this book that you mentioned. I know you'll give a lot of hope to a lot of women out there. So thank you for coming on 3 and 30. Thank you, Rachel. I am a big fan of yours. You're definitely an inspiration for me. Your podcast was an answer to what I needed. Your work matters. And uh, thank you for being a good mom and showing us what that looks like too. I really want to thank Sarah for her time and vulnerability in coming to share her story with us. I really wanted this episode to air close to Mother's Day because I know that that well-meaning holiday can sometimes bring guilt and sadness for women who weren't raised by mothers who loved them well or who feel like they're falling short of what they hoped they would be as mothers. 
I think this episode with Sarah has so much hopeful advice in it for either of those situations. We can change. We can be better. We can overcome patterns and become the moms that we truly want to be and find joy. As well as we can acknowledge that we are good mothers because we are simply trying every day and loving our kids. I am so grateful that you are here, that you are investing every single week in becoming more of the mom that you want to be. And I hope that you have a wonderful week with your family.